Hello and welcome to the My Teenage Band podcast with me, Nick Taylor. This is a podcast in which I talk to people from all kinds of different fields about the musical adventures of their youth. This week, my guest is the podcaster and journalist Hussein Kazvani. Hussein can be heard on numerous podcasts, most notably Trash Future Pod and 10,000 Posts, and 2019 saw the release of his first book, uh, Follow Me Aki, The Online World of British Muslims. I've been aware of Hussein's work and been following him on Twitter for a while, but it's actually former My Teenage Band guest Diora Shadajanova who's partly to thank for Hussein coming on the show this week, as it was her who alerted me to Hussein's former musical life and mentioned the podcast to him. So big thanks to Diora for helping to make this happen. In this chat, Hussein tells me about his short venture as a musician playing bass in emo and indie bands in secondary school. Though neither band lasted very long at all, it seemed from what Hussein was telling me that the tendency for bands to burn out shortly after they started was not actually that uncommon for the area of Kent that Hussein grew up in. So without further ado, here's me and Hussein Kazvani talking back in December 2020. When did you start playing music? I started like learning piano when I was a kid, so maybe like eight or nine. And I did it because the very kind of like Asian parents thing of, you know, if he learns how to play music, then he can get into like one of the good selective schools in Kent. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't think I ever really had a passion for piano. What I was able to do was I was able to memorize things very fast when I was younger. Um, I can't really do so now. So I gave off this impression that I was really good at piano and I could pick pick it up really quickly. But this obviously became a problem after like grade one where you couldn't just (laughs) kind of get away with that. So I really struggled to kind of like move on. And then my parents had just sort of decided that like, okay, this is not kind of worth the money. It's not (laughs) worth the time. But he goes to like go get piano lessons and he's just like copying finger patterns. So music was never kind of like a big thing in my house. Okay. And it wasn't really like a big thing in my life until my, until I became a teenager. So what happened when you were a teenager? What what changed and what (laughs) Sort of spark yeah i think like this with every other teenage boy it was really just like a desire to kind of get girls to like me yeah so like when i was younger i was just kind of like into like nerdy anime and stuff like that so like the music i listened to was really just like anime music and um like video game soundtracks and stuff like that and at the time like you know you, you had to like download music from Kazaa or like mm-hmm. whatever like yeah. LimeWire or peer to peer service you were you, you were using. So I would download like one two songs at a time, and also just like whatever was popular like at the time, which was like American hip hop. So I kind of like downloaded a bunch of like Ja Rule and like Jay Z and Pharrell and all that stuff. Yeah. When I was a teenager, my musical um, interests changed partly because like of the friends that I was with, but also the type of girls that I liked and the types <laughs> of girls that I liked were all kind of emo girls. Right. So I went to like a very white school in Kent. Right. Right. So um, <laughs> that's kind of what they all were. And if you weren't kind of like you, it's you sort of like were a bit of an outsider if you went into that. So I kind of like forced myself to like emo music. Yeah. But also in Kent, there were like some kind of like emo indie emo bands that were playing at the time. So there was this band called like lights go blue who like opened mm. for Enter Shikari a few times. Oh, yeah. You know, it was like that time also where like they were trying to mix synths with like emo music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it it was a very weird time for music. And it was also just like lots of kind of meshing but it was like i i don't know i found it really fun and it was fun to like experience so much music in such a short period of time mm. and just kind of get to enjoy that right sure and how did that translate into 
thinking about actually playing something. So did you try and oh, yeah, start yeah, okay. a? Uh, did you try and start an emo band? Yes, I I tried to start. I, I tried to start two. <laughs> okay, um, good. All right. So, so I went to a music school in Kent. And, oh yeah. Um. So I didn't have any instruments at home, but okay. there were always sort of like instruments, kind of like lying in the practice rooms and everything. So sometimes, like me and a couple of my mates would like skip lessons, or we would have like free periods. Mm. And we would like play these instruments really badly. So my mate, Chris, he like, he was the most musically efficient out of all of us. Like he played piano and he like could play drums and everything. Yeah. And there was this other guy called Matt who like could play a few chords on the guitar. So inevitably he was like the lead guitarist. (laughs) And... I was told my fingers were too big to play guitar, so I had to play <laughs> bass instead. So that's how I got my bass. Like that's how I got the bass. Um, okay. And we had this band, and it was called Echoes with a Z. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we tried to kind of play like links. So this is what two thousand. This is my, this may be like 2006, uh-huh. 2005, 2006. So we tried to play, like, play some Green Day covers. We tried to like just do a lot of like Linkin Park style songs. Yeah. We had this guy called Will who became a vocalist because he also was like actually quite a decent singer. And I think he now does something in music, but I'm not sure what he does. Oh, right, okay. But he was kind of like writing lyrics and stuff. And like they were kind of real emo ass lyrics. <laughs> but you know what it was like. So like we would kind of hang out in the practice rooms and everything. And I would play like the few bits of bass that this other guy had taught me. Yeah. Which was really just kind of like strumming the D string and I think the E string in just like various rotations. It wasn't really much else. Yeah, yeah. And even then kind of like hitting my third thing, my my third finger on like a string that shouldn't have been. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, because I wasn't like, I was too busy rocking out to like hold it properly. Oh, for sure. Right. right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that was like a very, that was a very short lived band. Okay. How, how long did that last? Two, Sorry. Oh, like four or five months. Oh, no. Basically, yeah. like, you know what, you know how it stopped? It stopped when, um, so one of my mates, he was trying to get this girl that he fancied to come around to his house yeah. and he was saying, but oh, I'm having band practice. <laughs> because, you know, that's what girls like to see. They like to hang out in boys' bedrooms yeah. while they do band Absolutely. practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and be, and be, and be groovy. Yeah. Just be completely. And she said that she was coming. Yeah. So he was, yeah. yeah, she was like really hyped. He was really hyped up about it. He was like, "We have to get our songs perfect. <laughs> we have to get them right." So, like, we had practiced for ages. I remember, like, I stayed late on that Friday night to like practice my D and E string yeah. uh, rotations, uh, <laughs> and she didn't show up. What? She did not show up, and she didn't even like text. And you know, back at the time, obviously, like you know, no smartphones or anything. Yeah. She didn't even text no. to kind of say like, "I'm not coming." <laughs> and that's when the band ended. Yeah, where do you go- where do you go from there? The absolute humiliation. How long? How long did you guys wait before you called it a night? Do you reckon? Three or four hours. Uh-huh. I think like I and the other guy knew that like he they like she wasn't coming. Yeah, but he was like really holding out. Like he's you know <laughs> he was like looking out the window and everything. You know, making sure he had his drums right and stuff. He had like cleaned his bedroom and everything. Yeah. Um. So like thinking about that now, it's like I feel kind of sorry for the guy. Yeah. But they say that like girls uh break bands apart but mm. apparently like them not even showing up breaks <laughs> bands apart so <sighs> Abs- absolutely brutal was it that night or was it the very next day that it was just agreed that it was like a what? couple it was like a couple of weeks but uh-huh. like i think it was also intuitive because like there were no kind of sessions uh being practiced right yeah, yeah um to be honest i feel like we had also kind of like grown a bit tired of it as well okay because you realize that like oh doing a band actually takes work and right you know none of us want to do that that's boring <laughs> yeah I didn't really touch a bass again until like maybe a year and a half afterwards. Oh, okay. 
and that was in 2000 and maybe 2007, 2008. So I was in sixth form at the time mm. and no one was listening to emo anymore. Everyone was like in like indie kids. Yeah. So everyone kind of had emo fringes. Yeah. But they were kind of like a little bit more unkempt and people wore cardigans. And that was really like the only difference during that time. <laughs> yeah. And they all kind of like listened to like, I, oh, what was I listening to? I was listening to a lot of The Strokes and Block yeah. Party yeah. and obviously Arctic Monkeys, like the standard stuff. But there were also, I don't know, there were like a few other kind of like indie bands that were around. And I picked up a bass again because, <laughs> so, here, so here's like, I'm, 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 I, I don't know whether this was kind of like just evident in just English school culture generally. <laughs> Or whether this is like specifically related to like suburban grammar schools in Kent. Yeah. But there was this weird thing that happened in 2007-ish when like all the cool kids who played rugby and listened to like DMX and stuff (laughs) suddenly became like indie kids who grew their hair out long and picked up like wore cardigans and like suddenly started learning how to play the guitar and everything. Wow. Um, Okay. So there were like four or five bands that ended up like coming out of my sixth form during that period, but all had like these very short runs um i think there was only one that really kind of like played more than one gig okay um, do you remember any names from from that <laughs> i mean there, there was this band that was in my school which i actually quite like called white pilots and i don't i don't know if they're around anymore uh-huh. or if like their lead singer is like doing his own thing now yeah uh like they played in like this all the kind of like standard south london venues and everything mm. but i uh, was the there was there was this other band that was called like I can't remember, they they had this song called like Unlimited Power all I know is that and it was kind of like this indie song and then in the middle they would just all scream scream Unlimited Power and <laughs> it was actually a very bad song but like people were just really yeah. into it at the time okay I can't I can't remember all the other names but like <laughs> I'm guessing they were just kind of like the standard I guess like there is actually a term for it isn't it like Vice did that list called uh, oh yeah like the landfill, landfill indie, indie. Yeah, yeah 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 so all of it all of it was landfill indie cool that was really what it was. it was just landfill indie it was just like replicas of like the pigeon detectives yeah. or like fucking whatever yeah uh, and uh, whereabouts was this in was this r- like rural kent or was this the sort of the on the kind of this, london this, border on the london border so this was in dartford oh okay so i played a gig in a pub yeah and we played one song and then we stopped <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that was the end of my musical career oh wow okay um, uh, if you were like really, if you were really into uh, your music mm. or if your band was like doing slightly well, you would like play at this club called the Dirty South, uh-huh. which is now a very gentrified bar in Lewisham. But like during the time it was like a real dump. Okay. So yeah, I played this like one gig in this pub called uh, the Bull and Vic in Dartford uh, High Street. Nice. And that was really at a time when like pubs were sort of just letting anyone play. Yeah, yeah. As long as like they had an ID and as long as like they bought things at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was me again. It was my friend Will. Mm. It was Matt was there. And there was another guy called, oh shit, what was his name? I think his name might be Jacob, but I literally can't remember. He was like <laughs> a new kid that had just like shown up at our sixth form. Right. And sort of vanished like a few months afterwards. <laughs> okay. Um, just like some sort of like indie, yeah. like indie spirit guide or something. Right. Yeah. And he kind of just like showed up last minute. Right. And like, like we had, we had decided to like do stuff again just because I think a lot of us actually, you know, we did actually have fun playing music and we kind of just thought that like, you know, it might be fun to do it again and like be a little bit more serious about it. Yeah. And because everyone else was doing it, it was kind of like, well, you know, we might as well do the same thing. Cool. We played like this one song, which I literally can't remember, but it was like a cover song or something. Okay. <laughs> and I had like practiced it for like three days. Right. Not really kind of like discipline, just like within my free periods. Yeah. And then I just was told, okay, you need to come to this place at like this time. And we're playing two songs and we're playing like they were both cover songs. Yeah. 
we were all really out of tune <laughs> like or at least i was out of tune i don't think the drums were kind of it just didn't work and you sort of knew that oh shit this is like the end you're like on stage and no one's paying attention to you yeah also like we invited a bunch of our friends and none of them showed up not a single one even though this was your like no. first <laughs> presumably your first gig yeah none, none of our friends showed up um <laughs> and i have a theory why i have a theory okay. why. it was because so i went to an all boys grammar school right but in the sixth form it became mixed mm-hmm now our gig was in October, so it was like the second month of sixth form, and I think that like they were too busy trying to hang out with all the like girls in our sixth form. Because bearing yeah. in mind this is like an all boys school, and like the moment girls come in, like the guys become different people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that they went to like a house party right. instead. Yeah, you can't um, you can't so, compete with a yeah. sixth form house party. You didn't manage to go to the party after the gig then you, you no i wasn't some... none of us were invited <laughs> none of us were invited to this house party. we didn't know it happened until monday when obviously like they had like the facebook photo dump, <laughs> yeah. right right, <laughs> so right. Like, yeah it was like a real sour moment oh, um God. especially because like especially because like the best case scenario for me was like oh damn like if you know i this might be a way of like redeeming myself or like becoming like a cool person in sixth form yeah because yeah. you know i wasn't you know during normal school so mm. the fact that the only people were there were like a few like year 13s who i don't think even noticed because <laughs> we <were> <laughs> it was also like one of those places where like the kind of it's not built for doing gigs and stuff right, right. it's built for kind of you know, you have like your local DJ and the local DJ like does his own thing, but there isn't like a mixing board. There isn't like, you know, you're plugging your guitars and stuff into the sets, like separate amps and stuff. Like, right. I don't know too much about like how you kind of do audio for like a big venue. Yeah, It's kind of like if you were playing in a bedroom, that's the type of gear that they had right. in the Bull and Vic. Was there even a stage or were you sort of in a corner somewhere it wasn't a stage it wasn't a stage it was just like a corner side corner of a pub right where you had like a few people sort of just like standing with their pints and just sort of like staring at you (laughs) like why are you here you guys are like literal children (laughs) because it's like a really kind of grim pub as well right and then like you just notice the year 13s because like you've seen them around school but they like have no idea who you are yeah yeah Um, and then yeah, and that was it. So after <laughs> after that, I just gave up my professional instrument <laughs> career. So what was the indie band called? Did you guys actually have a name? Uh, we did, and I'm struggling to remember now. <laughs> um, it had the word river in it. Uh-huh. I was trying to think about it today, and I was like, should I ask like the guy that I know what the band's name was? But I also didn't like. I haven't spoken to this guy in like ten years. Oh, okay, so, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, oh, like you know, um, remember the band that we like played one gig was called, and like we never played again because we were like too traumatized. <laughs> so it was like River something, and I may remember it like in the next 10, 15 minutes. But okay, I'm not sure. It was a very forgettable name. Like lots of. Yeah. lots of landfill indie bands during that time sure sure i mean yeah but i mean you weren't if you weren't a the in 2007 then you were already standing way out of the pack I would say. <laughs> I would say. but i mean what in terms of like the, you made the decision to turn up at this gig and just do cover songs that like, had you got as far as starting to write your own stuff as a band before the gig um, or no right not as yeah. a band not yeah. as a band I was really into poetry and I wrote my own lyrics, but I also oh. like was not a good singer. Uh-huh. I remember when we were like trying to just like practice again and we were thinking about doing our own song. I gave our singer like some lyrics that I wrote and he was just like, oh, these are like too soppy and like too like, you know, <laughs> I'm not singing these. What the fuck? Um, so they sort of like stayed in my notebook and sadly like the notebook is no longer with me, but oh. I imagine 
when I started Six Form, I had also been rejected by this girl that I really, really liked. Oh, um, and the worst thing about it was that she rejected me and then hooked up with one of my friends afterwards. So I was like really like shattered at the yeah. time. And I imagine like, <laughs> my lyrics again they were like they would probably been like kind of misogynistic mm. they would have been all about heartbreak and they would have had like all these kind of pseudo intellectual misinterpreted references to like like athenian mythology and stuff like that because <laughs> yeah. uh, that was like what i was interested in at the time right right um so like in one way i'm sort of glad that that never sort of like made it to yeah. <laughs> like, made it into any kind of recording um, so in a way he was kind of doing you a favor but, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So you, you don't you don't remember even one innocuous line. Oh man, I, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I sort of remember like I wrote this line about the girl who had rejected me, mm. and the line was something along crystal blue eyes whose edges like pierce my skin and oh god i'm just like Shit. even cringing That's now like steep, man. It. i i yeah. think that that was actually like a better version of the thing that i wrote but the idea was that like they, it would like pierce my skin but instead of blood coming out it would be like tears or something like that it was, oh because what you got there as well is yeah. you've got lyrics that would fit probably better in your first emo band yeah and i think like i mean that's like natural right when, oh yeah like, also like i never i never liked i never liked like you know <laughs> landfill indie music right. i kind of forced myself to like it because whenever i used to go to like a house party yeah. that's what would be playing yeah and yeah and <laughs> that's what people would be like talking about and like i had to pretend that i was really into biffy Clyro and stuff like that right <laughs> yeah <laughs> How long after the the slightly unsuccessful pub gig did River something called it call it a day? We spoke about like doing other gigs. So we spoke about like, oh, you know, should we do a gig at the Dirty South? Should we like do mm. a gig at there was this other place in Greenwich, I think, that like hosted bands at that time. And it was always just like, yeah, maybe, but you know, we'd have to like do some stuff and be good. Yeah. <laughs> so like what it ended up happening was that, especially like towards our kind of final exams and everything, we would spend time in practice rooms just like jamming and sometimes like those would be productive but a lot of the time it wouldn't be a lot of the time it was just like hanging out yeah so like i played bass and stuff from time to time during those years but it was never anything kind of serious and i think by 2009 i think we all were just like okay like this isn't gonna happen anymore also mm. because everyone who had started bands in 2008 or 7 8 just decided that they didn't want to do anymore and they just wanted to like go to clubs instead oh yeah yeah so <laughs> and thing was sort of like, band craze was sort of like done with for the most part I, again like there were a couple that still kind of did stuff and they still like hosted gigs and everything but they were like quite good band or like they were kind of relatively good bands mm. compared to like all the ones that had like been set up to just do one gig and that was it <laughs> yeah i love right. this idea of a like of this kent scene that is just full of just dozens of bands that just like remember that one band that one band that did one gig yeah i mean like amazing. to be fair i last time i saw like my friends in school that was really a lot of the conversation we had like do you right. remember that like one band whose song i can't remember but kind of goes do 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 <laughs> and everyone's like yeah i do remember the band goes duh, 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 but i can't remember what they're called <laughs> one of my favorite things to do sometimes is like facebook lurk and try to find out like this guy who was in a band like you know where is he now mm. there was this guy called ravi who i think he played guitar yeah. in a indie band and he was like considered to be really hot 
because you know he was like lanky and had like the hair and like the skinny jeans and everything yeah he also had like lip piercings and stuff like the snake bite lip piercings <laughs> yeah um anyway he's like he's now an accountant in saint albans oh wow okay um, <laughs> Yeah, and he has two kids and a lovely wife. And if you looked at him, you would not think to you would not think to yourself that oh, this guy used to be like the most popular like <laughs> low rate guitarist in in the Dartford Wilmington area. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah so there's like uh, a lot of these bands that like I vaguely remember just kind of like seeing at like house parties or um, who would like play gigs at pubs and everything. Who like I just literally can't remember. Or like you would find like a video on YouTube or something that's really really grainy and you're like hi oh, i remember I, I remember all that i remember being kicked out of that pub because there was a mosh pit to a song that didn't deserve a mosh pit and i remember like having to walk all the way home and you know uh because like the buses just weren't running after 9 p.m for some reason yeah 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 when i think about that i think about just like a very it's, it was a very very suburban childhood <laughs> yeah yeah How ultimately do you look back on your attempts at musical stardom and uh, <laughs> as it were? And yeah, uh, do, do, do you yeah. think there are ways in which sort of giving music a go in the way that you did when you were a teenager? Did it shape you in any way? Did it go on to have any kind of lasting effect? On the one hand, I think that is like very cringy. Yeah. Like the way that I kind of approached it. Lots of like very cringe stories. I'm just like remembering this vision right now of kind of like holding this bass guitar that I didn't even have a case for <laughs> or like anything and kind of just being like after this one song sort of being like, okay, what, 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 what do I do now? Uh, <laughs> what's the kind of payoff? And like, why am I, why do I not feel cool after like holding this thing and playing a song? Yeah. But on the other hand, I look back on that period. I'm kind of just like, it was actually like such a really exciting time. And I don't know whether it's an exciting time because when you're at that age, like you kind of give yourself a lot of permission to try things mm. and it's not, and you're not trying things in order to necessarily be the best, but you want to be part of like a culture. And I think that really, that's what it was. It was like, I wanted to be part of a particular kind of social culture that would have allowed me or, you know, did allow me in part, but in some ways didn't would allow, you know, to um experience like a different kind of world and like meet different people and you know just kind of like really like be part of a particular cultural moment in a way that like isn't necessarily as important to me now but also like really informs the way that I do things so like when I was playing bass when I was younger I wasn't like trying to be a really good bass player right mm. I wasn't even trying to be like an average bass player I just kind of wanted to like hang out with my friends and impress like you know some girls and mm. that was it that was really like the and it's very humble goal whereas now like i think to myself like okay well you bought yourself a nice guitar you have no kind of delusions of becoming a musician or releasing an album so why are you kind of really hesitant to sort of go beyond the four chords that you know <laughs> and i think a lot of it is this fear of like you know i've seen i see people on youtube who are really really good i've seen like kids that are like amazing oh yeah on there, right and it's kind of this feeling that because I'm never going to kind of get to that level mm. or like it's going to take a really long time to get to that level. And that by that point, it's kind of like, well, what are you trying to like get from that? And it's almost like asking the wrong question. It's like asking yourself the wrong question. But it's also like, I think the reason why lots of people, when they reach a certain age, become very hesitant to like learn new things. So when I look back on that moment, I think to myself, like, actually, there was a certain degree of liberation and being kind of carefree and not 
really worrying about whether you're as good as like some kid on YouTube that you watched or whether you're ever going to like learn as fast because you were just having fun when you were a teenager. And now mm. it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to kind of like remind myself that learning an instrument and playing music is like a fun experience. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping that when I kind of pick up my guitar again, I kind of remind myself of that and like really just kind of, I don't know. Cause I'm, I'm really looking forward to the moment where I can just sort of like experience music the way that I used to. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That very much sums up what it is like to play music as a teenager. And I think there's definitely a reason why bands that I I went on to attempt in my 20s felt a bit Mm. more strained than my teenage bands. Because, yeah, because we just had that lack of fear. Yeah. See, see, that's interesting as well. Like in your, like when, yeah, because I feel like for the people I know who are in bands in their 20s, There's almost this feeling of like, because this is sort of like, and th- again, this is only speaking for them. I'm not like trying to project onto anyone. Yeah, yeah. But for them, it's very much like, they almost feel like being, being in a band in your 20s is almost like this kind of embarrassing pursuit. <laughs> yeah. So if you're going to do it, so if you're going to do it, you need to do it properly, which means you need to have like scheduled recording sessions yeah. and, you know, you need to sort of like have, you know, a system of, like yeah. you know, mm-hmm. knowing when you're going to get better. Whereas like one of the things that I just find so funny, but also again, really liberating about my teenage experience was that whenever we wanted to play music, we would just say, Hey, like, is your, like, have you got a free period? Why don't you come meet me? And we'll like, we'll just jam for a bit and talk. And like in those jam sessions, you might kind of play a few riffs that sort of work well together. And most of the time you don't. Yeah. But when you leave that session after your hour, you don't feel shit about yourself, that like <laughs> you haven't kind of produced anything. It's like, oh, that was like a really fun thing. And like, I'm so glad I did that rather than like go to chemistry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, you're completely right. And I feel like it's not just with bands, it's almost with every kind of creative pursuit. So there we go. Huge thanks to Hussein Kazvani for talking to me last year. You can find Hussein on Twitter at hkazvani. And in the show notes for this week's episode, I put links to Hussein's podcast and a link to buy his book, Follow Me, Aki, The Online World of British Muslims. Thanks so, so much for listening to the podcast this week. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at My Teenage Band. And don't forget, you can get in touch with stories surrounding absolutely any genre of music and to any level of success at myteenageband at gmail.com. Our jingle beds and occasional musical interludes are written and performed by Anya Pearson, songwriter and guitarist in the band Dream Nails, with vocals on the jingle performed by Imo Berman of the band Trills. Our wonderful podcast artwork is by Eloisa Henderson-Figueroa and our website, myteenageband.com, where you can find all our episodes so far, is designed and maintained by Imo V. My Teenage Band is presented and produced by me, Nick Taylor, and I'll be back next week with more stories of youthful musical adventures. See you then! Thank you.